Welcome to I'm Game with Fred Croner. Today I am joined by Addie Puckett, who was born in Chicago, raised in Atlanta, and has called Muhammad home since 2013. Uh, you've probably seen her on uh, social media sites. She's also an author, a relationship coach, and owner and missionary of uh, Roots, uh, Root to Branches. Uh, Addie, welcome today. Thank you. I'm going to uh, graciously uh, correct you there. It's okay. uh, Audie Puckett. I uh, was born in Chicago, but I was raised in Alabama. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it, it's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, down south. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that where I want to start with, uh, you, you obviously lived in some different locations. How, how do you go about, uh, you know, making friends when you go to a new area, like when you come to Muhammad, or I know before Muhammad, you lived in Peoria. So when you, when you go somewhere new and you don't really know anybody, what, what's the process like for you? Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm very much an introvert by nature, but I happen to be really good at being an extrovert when I need to be. So if I want to start getting to know somebody, especially in a new place, the first thing I might do is find my local coffee shops. And when I first moved to Muhammad, uh, the, the coffee shop I first visited was what is now Lucky Moon. That was the first oh, place cool. I visited. Yeah, so um, yeah. I actually had my very first uh, Muhammad native conversation in that coffee shop. So that's what I do. I just go out and I have a cup of coffee, and if anyone says hello, you know, I'm I'm in I'm immediately in the game. We'll talk a little bit about uh, root to branches. When when that idea kind of originated, uh, how long it's been going, and, and kind of how it's grown over the past years. Okay, um, well, again, when I first moved to Muhammad, I was marrying my current husband, and this was eight years ago. Um, but in so doing, I was leaving behind, unbeknownst to me, a really good career that I had spent the previous eight years building. It simply did not transfer here uh, with me. So I had to start my whole personal existence over again. So in doing all of that, it was a lot of struggle, um, a lot of hard days. And I know my husband suggested to me that I simply start doing what I'm good at. And that is talking to people and encouraging people and just finding a way to uh, make that my niche. And so in 2018, I took myself back to school and I got my certification in coaching and just started building from that. Originally, it was started out as a one-on-one -on -one coaching business, but um, I trusted the vision that I had and I just followed where it led. And suddenly I'm hosting groups, I'm getting people together and I'm actually doing what not only I'm pretty good at, but what I absolutely love to do. And that's gathering people to get to know one another to work play and do life together and that's been happening for two or three years now um, it has transitioned from a business to a ministry um, but now it's starting to look like it simply wants to be both so I'm trying to figure out all of the nooks and crannies of that so was this, when you started with that then, was it a totally new experience or was it something that you had kind of dabbled with in the past, but just maybe hadn't had the time to devote, you know, all your time and, and energy to? Uh, well, the, the business part of it was 100% brand new. 
but everything that I do now that uh, is really giving me life and helping to provide for my family, it, these are the things that I've done my entire life. I have always been the person to uh, reach out and gather the people that it seems like nobody else wants or nobody else is listening to. I have that these people have been my friends. I have um, helped to shepherd people in their sadness, in their darkness, and things like that. And it's always come natural. So uh, I think my husband was very right. And uh, I'm just, I feel like I'm doing what I'm designed to do. So you've been in Muhammad now about eight years. Does it feel like longer in, in terms of just, uh, you know, the, the acceptance and getting the business off the ground and, and meeting people and so on and so forth? Uh, you know, for, I'm going to say about five or six of those years, it always seemed like I was new to Muhammad. But that changed um, when we had a lot of the uh, social unrest last year. And I made the observations that I did and sat down and wrote Graciously Diverse. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like I'd been here forever. Because a lot of people had a lot of things to say about what they were reading and about what they were hearing. They wanted to have the conversation in a place and with a person that they felt that they were safe with. So you mentioned Graciously uh, Diverse, which is your second book. Your, your first book was Unself-Confidence. Mm -hmm. talk, talk a little bit about uh, getting into the writing aspect. Is that something that uh, you had envisioned doing uh, at a younger age or, or how did this come about? Uh, well, I was always an avid reader. And you know, when you're an avid reader, a lot of times you say to yourself that you wish that you could prevent information that well and you know, uh, paint those pictures with words as well as the ones that you're reading. Um, but I never really thought that I would ever have published work. Um, so when I wrote Unself-Confidence, it was actually out of a need. I, I um, volunteer at both Mercy's Refuge and Restoration Urban Ministries. And both of them were hoping that I would be able to assist them in teaching their residents uh, things like self-confidence and uh, life skills for when they exit these residential programs. And so I came home, I made an outline, I started teaching the class and all of that good stuff. And in the middle of it, I realized that teaching these particular people self-confidence was not going to help as much as teaching them to be confident in the might of their creator. And that changed so much about how that class was going. And it led to a complete book that I ended up publishing. And it's actually, it's my baby. As popular as graciously diverse might be, unself-confidence is my baby. Well, sure. I mean, that was number one. And that's probably always going to be special to you for that reason, isn't it? Yes. And, and it's personal. You know, I talk about uh, the personal relationship that you, that a person can have. Uh, with their creator to help them realize their, their full potential according to how they are designed instead of what the world might be expecting out of them or what they're told they have to do to be acceptable in society. So I can, you know, I've been involved with, with writing pretty much my whole life, so I can understand the process of, of putting a book together. Uh, but how about 
for you with, you know, getting started? What, what was that like in terms of, of taking those first steps and, you know, just getting things organized and, and you know, knowing what to do and, and so on and so forth. Can you kind of take me through that process? Uh, well, it was pretty wild because I'm the person who simply knows how to do what they are doing. <laughs> so the details were a little difficult to wrap my head around when it came to uh, structure and, and, and editing and publishing and all that good stuff. And I, I still don't feel like I got a lot of that right. However, it was very important to me to at least go ahead and, and handle the brain dump get it on paper and then uh, start the process of organizing the information. And so I took a pretty easy route in publishing, you know, through like, um, like Amazon publishing or what have you. But since then I have learned a lot and I've had people come alongside me and kind of help me with some of those details that are hard for me to wrap my head around. And so now as I prepare to release a second edition of Unselfconfidence, I feel, well, more confident in the second edition. So I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about that because it is going to connect to um, a women's summit or a, a, I'm gonna say it's about a half day retreat uh, that's gonna be happening. Actually, I, I know I told you before that it was happening in one place, but things have changed. It's actually gonna be happening at the Great News Radio Center in Lincoln Square Mall in Urbana um, on August 14th from 8.30 to noon. And I will be co-presenting with Beth Walker. She is the author of uh, Lessons from the Sideline. And she's also a chaplain for uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I am really, really excited about that. And I can't wait to see what happens when we gather these women together and encourage them this way. Well, I had heard that you were doing a third book. Is the third book actually the second edition of the first book or, or is there a third book beyond that? <laughs> There's a third book beyond that. So uh, I, I have a habit of doing things a little backwards. So, <laughs> so I'm hoping to complete kind of a trifecta of written works here. Um, my first book has to do with loving yourself uh, through the eyes of God. The second, Graciously Diverse, has to do with loving other people through the eyes of God. But this third book, I really want to talk about what it is to have a personal relationship with God himself. And how far along are you on that book? Or is it just kind of in the organizational stages right now? Uh, the, the brain, I'm still in the middle of the actual brain dump. That this uh, it's this is actually heavier work than the other two books have been, because uh, you really have to dig really really deep to get to some hard truths about yourself to incorporate these uh, magnificent truths about um, being created by such a wonderful and spectacular God. So growing up, what did you envision for yourself? Did you have kind of an idea what you wanted to do with, with life? And then how has that gone in terms of, of what the, the teenage uh, version of yourself uh, thought you might be doing? <laughs> the teenage version of myself thought that I was going to be a forensic psychologist. Hmm. I wanted to be a forensic psychologist. I wanted to sit down and I wanted to talk to 
these uh, convicted uh, killers, rapists, you know, these people, but not because I wanted to find out why they were so horrible. Um, I always thought in my head that uh, once a person is convicted of such a thing, that is all that they will be known for, for the rest of their lives. But then you have this person who has committed these heinous crimes, uh, who is aware that they are so much more than that for whatever reason that they made those decisions. So my desire was to be able to help heal them, you know, if I could, you know, give them a, a place uh, to empty out and get to know themselves better and possibly heal from whatever created those decisions. Um, and I was hoping that that would lead me into like maybe F FBI profiling or something like that. But that is not what happened with my life at all. Uh, I let fear trick me out of uh, pursuing that career. Um, and I, I went on to marry pretty young and um, all of that. So a whole lot about who I was as a person uh, was put on the back burner for a lot of years. And so I didn't really engage with who I really am until I was about 40. And, you know, I'm at four years later now, I have a better grasp on uh, my actual individuality as a human being. I'm not just a mom. I'm not just a wife. I'm not just, you know, an employee or something like that. I am a, there's, there was a whole me before I was ever married. And I needed to know who that was. You feel like now, though, as you, as you look back, you feel like you're doing maybe what you should have been doing or what you were meant to be doing? Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, I am currently doing what I always did. And it never occurred to me while aging, you know, as a child, a teenager, uh, early 20s or whatever, it never occurred to me that I would be brought full circle to something that always came so naturally to me. Have you found the, the people of Muhammad to be receptive? I know you do a lot of, uh, you know, coffee house, coffee house gatherings and so on and so forth. Uh, it seems like you always find a, a group of people to, to hang out with and, and talk with, don't you? Yeah, I do. I, you know, I, you know, post COVID and all, you know, that people, of course, took their time coming back out into the public, you know, where they, you know, they waited until they felt safe enough to do it. But as soon as I felt safe enough to do it, I just started calling people out, you know, let's, let's get to know one another. We've been talking back and forth to one another over social media and stuff like that but nothing does it like a nice person to person heart to heart and i feel like uh in the divides that we have whether you know racially socially whatever reason um that can always be solved on the ground by purposefully going out of our way to find a common ground and grow up from there so i, I just want to give this community opportunities to know who they're sharing this community with. And I feel like a lot of people have been very receptive to that, very open to it. Um, and while a lot of them can't make the morning ones, I'm hoping to launch some evening ones to open that opportunity up a little bit more. Uh, but so far, I, I love this community. I love the responses that, you know, I get from people, but I think more than anything, I really love pouring encouragement into the community. 
feel like sometimes though there's not enough hours in, in the day to do everything you'd like to do and accomplish it within a day? Uh, 100%, 150%. And uh, I don't know if it's a real word, but I get over peopled very easily nowadays. Uh, I have to purposefully go out of my way to make myself slow down a little bit. I can't say yes to everything. And, and I have to be very gracious with my no, you know, if I have to. So that's a, that's a learning curve for me. What would you say has been the biggest challenge as you've gone through this in terms of the, of the writing and, you know, the relationship coaching you've done and uh, so on and so forth? Have there been some challenges there where you've really just filled out of your comfort zone? Uh, the hardest part for me has been um, just watching people be so ugly to one another. That's been the hardest part. And not and knowing that there are just so many areas that I'm really not designed to help in um, and feeling helpless there. Um, and, and also sometimes a hard part is really trying to hold the middle while being forced to pick a side that's been very difficult because i don't i don't want to pick the side of an issue my side is uh loving god and loving people that is the side that i am on and that does not always translate to either side sometimes and yet, I, I'm sure as you see things and, you know, in the news and so on and so forth, I mean, you obviously have opinions and, and feelings. So, I mean, is that a, a hard act to kind of balance in terms of, you know, maybe staying neutral and, and not uh, going with what your, your gut feeling is? Yeah, it, it's really hard to separate my emotions from some of these issues because, um, I, I, you know, the the thing that makes it all go sideways to me are personal feelings getting involved. And uh, instead of being able to look at the entirety of the puzzle from a logical standpoint, you know, our emotions get involved and that's what, that's what turns people against one another. And I don't want to be, um, I don't want to do that to other people. I want to listen uh, and not just for, uh, not, not just in order for me to build the content of what I'm about to say next. But I really want to be able to listen according to where other people are coming from. So if I want to be able to do that and I want to help other people do that, well, then I have to be the example of it. So that means I have to be intentional about listening to understand. Sure. And, you know, I certainly don't have the experience that you do, but, but it seems to me like what I've noticed over the past several years uh, there's a lot more of the, what I would call the extreme views, whereas, you know, before, you know, I might feel one way, you might feel another way, but we weren't that far from the middle. And it seems like now, you know, there's a lot more people to the right, there's a lot more people to the left, and it just seems like we're, we're escaping or getting away from, um, you know, the, the common ground, the, the middle area. Does it seem uh, Sure, I see that a lot. And I think that comes from narrowing our focus to one hot button issue. When we do that, we kind of exclude all of the information that's surrounding and creating that hot button issue. But if we were to expand our view, we would actually start seeing those areas where the two opposing views actually have places to meet. 
but I think that, you know, in our struggle to be right, you know, uh, to be relevant and things like that, it kind of uh, sticks in our pride a little bit and it makes us kind of hold tightly to these divisive things. Well, and sometimes it seems that people are just so passionate about their, their individual views that, you know, they can't get beyond that. And, and mm -hmm. that's, that's what comes out from them and that's what the other people see. And then mm -hmm. first, that's what the other people see in, in those people as well. So it's, mm -hmm. it seems like it's really difficult to try to, to find and, and reach that middle ground. Yeah, that's, that's why, like, you know, whether I'm, you know, given a seminar or whatever, and I'm talking about these particular issues, I always encourage people to uh, try to keep in mind that there is always more than what you're seeing or listening to right in front of you. Like if you were to give me a view that I don't necessarily agree with, I need to kind of back up a little bit and understand that the view you have is built off of your experiences. They're built off of your understanding of what it is that you're looking at. And I don't have a right to take those experiences away from you. You know, I respect them by uh, hearing you out and understanding that, that, that you have a reason for why you see things the way that you see. Now, if I don't agree with you and I feel like your opinion needs to change, um, yeah, even that's not up to me. That, that's not up to me. I feel like you have, like I said, you have your opinions for uh, your own reasons. and perhaps those reasons can play a big part in helping me with my view as I go forward, if I allow it. Well, what is next for you? Do you, do you have other things on your, on your bucket list, on your to-do list that you see yourself doing in the next year or next five years or, or whatever? Uh, in, the, in the next uh, year or so, I really want the coaching arm of Root to Branches to grow more. Uh, I, I love doing the seminars. I love doing the group activities, but um, I also love ministering to people's hearts. I really love helping people uh, grow strength in their hearts and in their minds. Uh, so uh, being pioneering the coaching arm for Two Roads Wellness Center is uh, a big deal for me because then you know I open the door for other coaches whether it's for relationship or executive or whatever kind of coaching um, and so I actually get to take that passion and um, help serve the Kenneth D. Bailey Academy in Danville. It's one of the alternative schools out there and it is actually quite fantastic. I have already fallen in love with all of the students and the staff there. So I get to help them with uh, professional development for the teachers and the staff. Um, also get to act as mediator uh, from student to student and from students to faculty. So I will actually get to help them in times of anxiety, undue stress, all of these things throughout their school days um, to, to, to help them grow even further than where they've already come in that program. And I would think too, as, as you pursue these passions, I mean, there might be other avenues and things that open up that uh, aren't even clear to you at this point that might uh, develop in the future. Absolutely. This entire journey has been full of blind corners. Uh, no joke. I, I never know uh, what's going to, um, what kind of fruit 
this tree is going to bear at any time. It's, but it's always good. It's always tasty fruit. But uh, I, I'm, I'm just so always blown away by the things that develop. I had no idea how many different things this vision could produce. And I have a feeling that I'm nowhere near the center. Well, I, I hope you uh, find the strength to keep going because I know you've certainly been a, a positive influence and, and you know, encouraging and, and uh, inspiration for a lot of people. So uh, I, I appreciate that. And I'm sure a lot of other folks do as well. Thank you, Fred. That's really sweet. Before I let you go today, is there anything else you would like to, to add or not? Mm, well, um... Well, if, if you don't mind, I would like to extend a, a huge thank you to the community of Muhammad. Um, I know how difficult things have been over the last couple of years and not just with COVID, um, but I am very proud to be a member of a community that no matter how rough it gets, the heart of the community really is to strive together. It really is to survive uh, and, and be whole. I love that about this place. And um, as, long as, as long as I'm here, I will keep fighting to foster that. All right, well, I appreciate that. And I hope you're here for uh, quite a number of years more. <laughs> So we're talking today with, with Adi Puckett, an author, uh, relationship coach, uh, owner and missionary for Root to Branches. Uh, we thank you for your time, and uh, I'm sure we will be in touch again in the future. I hope so. Thank you. Mm -hmm.